Well, thank you. Thank you, Pastor, so very, very much. It's my joy to be back at Central Baptist Church. Every year, it seems like about this time, a pastor is kind to invite me to come, and I find a spot on the schedule, and we just do it. And I'm glad to be here today. <clears throat> now, I'll get rid of the gravel in a little bit here. But uh, I want you to turn in your Bible to John's Gospel, chapter number one, where I'll be reading uh, in a little bit here. And let me, uh, let me just say, I, I noticed this morning, I knew, I knew Pastor had something going on with these sword subscriptions, but I didn't know all the details that I know now. And uh, when I walked in this morning and saw everybody wearing the swords on their lapel, and you know, my first reaction was, that's a really sharp crowd. <clears throat> and, uh, but uh, yeah, you'll get the point. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> but to get the uh, 316 years worth of subscriptions uh, is just absolutely incredible. And we've had, uh, to my knowledge, two other churches that have gotten more than 100 in an effort like that sometime actually in the last year. But, uh, Pastor, I, I think I'm well on the mark to say, at least in the 25 years that I've been at the sword, I know we haven't had anybody to do that many, that much at one time. So you guys have, have I mean, you've just stepped up, you've done it. And, um, you know, one of the things that Betty and I do uh, every month of the world, we, we find money in our pockets to give so we can give the sword to other people. And uh, we've done that through all of the years, and uh, lots of it pays off now. I'm not going to get into a lot of that because he's going to interview me tonight, and I'm going to tell you some things tonight that I think you'll find most interesting about what we do and your investment that you make in helping us. Uh, I promise you, you're going to like what you hear. It's fruitful and it's productive, and I'll tell you about it tonight. Now, that, uh, in fact, I'm going to get here about 3 o'clock this afternoon, so I'll be sure and be here on time. Amen. <laughs> Oh, I might have stretched that a little bit. I'll probably be taking a nap about then. But uh, but anyway, take your Bible, John's Gospel, chapter number one. If I don't get started here, we'll not we'll still be here at three o'clock. Amen. John's Gospel, chapter number one. Now I'm well aware that, uh, that uh, lunchtime is coming, and we'll we'll try to get there sometime this afternoon. All right. <clears throat> John's Gospel, chapter number one. And let me preface the reading by saying to you that. When I lead somebody to Christ, and I have now for a lot of years made it my business to work at that and to lead people to Christ, staying in these hotels like I do about half of my life, I run into people all the time, not only who are willing to listen, but I get to lead people to Christ in the hotels. And every once in a while in a restaurant, every once in a while in an airport. And when I'm at home in our town, I work at it just like I do when I'm in your town. Now, when I lead somebody to Christ, one of the first things that I do is I, I say to them, now, I want to get you to reading the Bible. Now, for a lot of folks, that's news. A lot of folks up and down these streets, they're not doing that. A lot of them know about the Bible, but they don't know what's in the Bible because they haven't been into the Bible. <clears throat> so I tell them, I, I want you to start reading the Bible. 
And, uh, and then I will say to them, now let me, let me help you out with that just a little bit. I'm going to suggest that you start in John's Gospel. Now, see, somebody who doesn't know much about the Bible, I mean, all of the Bible is good, but for somebody that's a brand new convert, I'm not going to send them to Zechariah or Ezekiel or Revelation. Now, right at the start. Now, they, they'll get there if they stick with the Bible. But I want them to start someplace where that most of what they read is going to be easier for them to grasp. Now, that doesn't mean, in fact, I'm about to read something here that at the first will appear to be profound. But the things in John's Gospel that appear to be profound, if you'll just stay in the chapter, it'll explain the profundity so that you'll get the simplicity of it. And uh, and so, that's that's the case here because chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. Oh, and we say, somebody named the Word. Well, no, it's a title. It's a title. You say, well, who is this? One, or what is this one called the Word? Well, if you drop down to verse 14, the profound statement in verse 1 is explained in verse 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, just make a little shortcut here. There's only one person in history, only one person who's ever walked on this planet that could possibly fit that description, and that person is the Lord Jesus. Now, this verse says, in the beginning, that is way back in the eons of eternity's past, not just at creation, but in the eons of eternity's past, was the Word, was the Lord Jesus. And the Word was with God, meaning God the Father, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things, all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, you you read this, and we're going to learn some things that a lot of people do not, they do not know. Uh, Modern man, including a lot of... um, neo-modern professing Christians who may not be Christians at all, but a lot of folks in our world do not have a real true picture of Christ. Uh, if you listen to the philosophers, the ancient philosophers, like uh, uh, Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, uh, if you read after them any at all, and, and, and the disciples that have followed them through the ages and even up to the present hour, go to the philosophy department in any university in, in the area. And, uh, and you'll find a lot of them are not Christians. They would be even anti-Christian. But if you raise the issue, nobody disputes the historicity of Jesus. The fact that he was a historical personage, they'll acknowledge that. Then they will say things like, well, uh, yeah, 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 he, you know, he was a good teacher. Or they may even say, well, he was a good man. But that's about as far as they're willing to go. Now, what the Bible tells us is, yes... He was a good man, but he was more than a man. Yes, he was a good teacher. He's also a good preacher. But the Bible tells us here in this passage that he was and is eternal. No beginning, no end. No point in the past where he was not, no point in the future where he will not be. He has an eternality about his being. Not only that, but he is God. 
men men carve things of wood. They 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 mold things of silver and gold and and call them gods or or, or a god in their life. But but it's, that's that's nonsense. That that is an inane uh, misrepresentation of of reality. It is not possible for a man to make a god. They may they may try to make a god out of it, declare it to be a god, but it's foolishness. But there is a God who is the God. And He is the God of creation. And that again is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. So, yes, He's eternal. He's God. And verse 3 says that He's the Creator. The Creator, not the Evolver, but the Creator. Your ancestors were not polywogs in a puddle. They were not. Not any of them. Not even your in-laws. They were not. None of your wife's relatives. I mean, they, they were not. You were created just as uh, your uh, forefathers and back through the years, all the way back to Adam and Eve. He is the creator. Uh, every, every little creepy crawling thing on the ground, everything that flies in the air, all of these creatures, they are created of God. This world, the stars, the moons, the planets, everything, this universe and those beyond, all of it created by the God who is eternal and almighty. Now, out of that, we learn also that God who is God, who is the creator, he has created life and made it possible for me and you to have a life that transcends this life we have now and stretches out into eternity as well. He provides light for that. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And not only that, but you drop down further in the chapter, as in verse number 12, you'll find that He's the Savior. The Bible says, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. So this great God has looked at me, He's looked at you, He, he understood, uh, He has... He has uh, uh, an understanding. He knows everything. He knows that we're sinners. He knows we cannot help ourselves. So he has made arrangements through the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus to make it possible for me and for you to have everlasting life, to go to heaven when we die. Now, I mean, this is getting a little more said gooder and gooder every step we take. All right? Now, not only that, verse 29, <coughs> John the Baptist made a great announcement in which he said, to us, to them, to everybody, behold the Lamb of God. You're talking to a Jewish audience in that time for years and years. They had made the sacrifices at the temple once a year. <clears throat> they understood what it was to provide a lamb, a perfect lamb. Now then John the Baptist says, behold, God has provided himself a lamb, the Lamb of God. And he's provided in order to take away the sin of the world. Not just the sin of a few, not just the sin of a few pre-selected ones, but the sin of the world. Now, uh, remember, we're looking at all of this, and uh, as I told you, when I, when I lead somebody to Christ, they're a new convert, and I begin to say to them, read the Gospel of John. Now, whether you be a new Christian or somebody that's been saved for a while, um, uh, still what I'm, what I'm saying here ought to work for all of us. It does work for all of us. Uh, John, the John the Baptist made that great declaration. The message went out. God has provided a lamb. Well, I can, I can just see people on every hand getting stirred up, getting excited, 
In fact, we read about a couple of them later in this chapter in verse 41, uh, 40 and 41. Um, there was a guy named Andrew down in verses 43 and 44 and 45. There's a, there's a guy named Philip. Well, both of them heard the announcement. They responded to that announcement. They received the fact that Jesus was the Messiah and the Savior. And they came to Christ and, and uh, received the salvation that he offered. Well, guess what happened? Here, here they were, brand new converts. What did they do? Well, Andrew got all excited because he had a brother. And he said, I gotta find my brother. I gotta tell my brother. Well, and Philip, he apparently didn't have a brother, but he had a friend named Nathaniel. So what did he do? Man, he got excited. He said, my friend Nathaniel needs to hear about the Savior as well. Now, uh, you, you, you may have a, an Andrew in your life, a brother, a sister, another family member, uh, or you, you may have a friend like a Nathaniel, Maybe somebody at work, maybe somebody in your neighborhood, uh, maybe maybe an old college buddy, maybe maybe somebody that uh, you just bumped into somewhere and you struck up a friendship and, and you have such a friend like Nathaniel. Now, when you and I understand there's a God in heaven, he sent his son to die on the cross, rise from the grave, be virgin born, die a, a substitutionary death, and, and, he, and he went back to heaven, sits on the right hand of the Father as an advocate, making intercession for those who will trust him. When we understand that, as it's laid out here, and know that Jesus is the lamb provided for the sin of the world, and, uh, and I know that I've got family members or I've got friends that are, that are not in. They're not saved. They, they don't have, uh, the means uh, provided for their salvation yet. And so what do I do? I need to be an Andrew. I need to be a Philip. I need to get stirred up. And if I'm talking to this new convert, I'm going to say to him, do you, what about your parents? What, what about, what about your children? What about your, your, your friends at work? What, what, I mean, do you have family members that, that are not saved? In fact, <laughs> I did this a lot when I was pastor. We'd lead somebody to Christ. And one of the first things I want to know from you, you got other family that live in this area? Would you take me sometime this week and let me, and introduce me to your family? Led dozens and dozens of people to Christ based on referral from an Andrew or a Philip who had just gotten saved and they took me to somebody else in their acquaintance. Now, you, you and I can do that. So I'm helping this new convert. Now, uh, you, you say, well, well, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna immediately have questions as a new convert about uh, some things. I mean, there's all kinds of complications in life. Well, there's a little bit of advice in chapter two. Remember, we're reading John's gospel. In chapter two, verse number five, they had a little situation there that perplexed some people. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, gave some advice. And listen to me, it's advice that I wish I could get every Catholic to hear. And every Methodist, and every Presbyterian, and every Baptist. <laughs> Verse 5, she looked at that crowd and she said, whatever he says, do it. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm going to help this new convert. I, I'm going to get him to read the Gospel of John. He's going to learn a lot of things about what Jesus said and did. And I'm going to say to him, now just remember chapter 2, verse 5. When Jesus tells you something... Uh, don't 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 get all in a stir and don't get bent out of shape and, and don't drag around. Just just go do what he tells you. You you'll be on the right track. Good advice, amen. All right, we're we're helping him now. You get to chapter number three, and we're going to find out 
that, that everything, I mean, this new convert doesn't make, he may not understand all that's happened to him yet, but chapter 3 tells me that everything, everything starts with the new birth. Everything starts with the new birth. We had this guy come to Jesus named Nicodemus. He was a big shot in town. He said, what kind of a big shot was he? Well, you know, every town's got folks who either are told they're big shots or think they're big shots because they've got money or they've got position or they've got fame and notoriety. I mean, somehow or another, we managed to, you know, kind of big shot people uh, and, and things like that. We're kind of silly for us to do it. But, but, but it's, it's just what happens. Well, Nicodemus was one of those wealthy, well-educated, I mean, he had position, he had all of that, and, and, but he, he was empty. I mean, he was empty like a barrel. And he'd heard about Jesus, and he came sneaking in by night. And you know, well, I guess, you know, he's going to come in, and he's going to get financial advice, and he's going to get behavioral, no, no, no. Jesus said to him, I mean, here's a guy, I mean, he's an up, he's an up and outer, and what did Jesus say? He said, sir, you, you need to be born again. Everything starts with that. I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to be able to help an alcoholic if he's not willing to come to Christ. I'm not going to be able to help somebody that's life is broken into a thousand pieces, except that they come to Christ. They do that. We're on our way. Now, I'm, I'm just helping the new convert. I'm telling you, everything starts with a new birth, sir. And it other, you may be the wealthiest guy in town, but that's where it all starts. And then I'm going to get to chapter four. When I get to chapter 4, we're running into, along with Jesus, we're running into a woman that we commonly call the woman of Samaria. You say, what are we learning from her? Well, we're learning that uh, everything he offers, he offers to everybody. Not just the up and out, but the down and out. Not just the famous folks, but the folks that nobody knows. Not just the folks that live in a palace, but the folks that don't have a house at all. Here, this gal, she'd been married five times, and she was living with somebody she was not married to. I mean, she's got baggage, <laughs> big-time baggage. She, she's, got, she's got all kinds of heartache over that, no doubt. And, and, and what happens? Listen, everything, everything that Jesus offers to any one of us, He offers to all of us. You say, you don't know what my background is. No, and I personally don't need to know. I don't need to know. God already knows all about it. And everything, everything, everything that He offers, He offers to you. You say, but, I, but I've been dragged... Listen, I'm, I'm just telling you, God is willing to do for you what He's done for the rest. And that's clear in chapter 4. You get to chapter number 5, and there's all kinds of things in here. I'm just, I'm just picking a few things as I go here. You get to chapter 5 and there's a principle there that I don't want you to miss out on. It's in verse 39 where Jesus said, Search the Scriptures. They are they which testify of Me. After a little while, I'm going to get you to read more than the Gospel of John. I'm going to get you to go back and read Genesis. You'll find out all the details then about creation. I'm going to get you to start reading the Psalms so that uh, you'll get over being a, 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 you know, such a griper and groaner all the time. Psalms will give altitude to your attitude. Amen? And then, then, then I'm going to get you to read in the Proverbs. And that will help you to clean up some of the junky stuff that's been going on in your life. You know, you find it convenient to tell a lie once in a while. Proverbs will help you to solve that. You know, you, you maybe you, you've taken something that wasn't yours or some kind of a crooked business deal. Hey, Proverbs, Proverbs will help you to learn how to do it right. And so we're, we're going to do that more. Listen, the Scriptures... The Scriptures lay out 
the things that we need along the way. It'll help us with our family, with our marriage, we're in our children. It'll help us with our relationships with our in-laws. It'll help us in business. It'll help us at school. I mean, the Scriptures are God's roadmap. You talk about a, a, a using a GPS to get where you need to know. Listen, the Bible is God's positioning system. That's God's GPS. And it'll position you rightly on things. Now, you get to chapter number 6, Get to chapter number 6. We're going to learn something else. I'm trying to help this new convert. Chapter 6, Jesus has got a, a crowd, a big crowd, to gathered around, and it gets past lunchtime, and, uh, and everybody's uh, tummy's uh, uh, empty, and, uh, and they're, they're starting to get a little fussy, probably. And Jesus said, uh, we we got to take care of these folks. And the disciples said, all we got is one boy's lunch. He said, well, what are we going to get out of this? What's that new convert going to learn from that? Well, you see, a lot, a lot of us, and as I look around this morning, and I don't know anything in particular now, but I'm just telling you, I'm looking at enough people, I guarantee you there's somebody sitting in front of me right now who if you were to come to the pastor, you would say to him, well, I just don't think there's anything I can do. I, I, just, I just don't know what I could possibly do for the Lord. Well, here's, here's one little kid. He had a good mama because she fixed him a lunch. <laughs> And he's there with that crowd, and he's got a lunch, and Jesus said, go get it, bring it to me. And he took that little boy's lunch, and he fed a big crowd, and when they got done, he took up more than what they started with. You say, what's the deal? I'm going to borrow, I'm going to borrow a statement from a sermon preached by our mutual friend, Joe Arthur. He's got a great sermon on that passage, and he, this is the title that Joe uses. He says, little is much. When God is in it, and He will get in it when you give Him what you got. Amen. I'm going to say that again. Little is much, like the little boy's lunch. Little is much when God is in it, and He will get in it when you give Him what you got. Amen. So, you, I mean, we can learn from John chapter 6. I mean, you know... I mean, one of the best days of your life will be when you realize, and if you let me put this in a statement that will drive English teachers crazy, the day you realize you ain't much, that's a good day. The day you decide to give your, little, give your lunch like the little boy did, you decide to give your little life and just let the Lord have it. Let Him get in it. Let Him do with it what He can. That's a good day. A real good day. Now, you get to chapter 7, and there's another statement. You say, whoa, there's 21 chapters in the, in the book of John. Yeah, I'm just about to where I'm going to stop. But, I'm just telling you, you can work through all 21 chapters. I've already done it. And there's something in every chapter, and some chapters, more than one thing. That just, I mean, it's just so basic to the walking with God we need to do. Just so basic to us living the good life like Jesus would have us to live. In chapter 7, the, the principle I find there in verse 17, chapter 7, verse uh, 17 talks about Jesus said, uh, do, uh, my doctrine, he said, is, is to do the will of him that sent me. And if any man will do his will, he's talking about the will of God. Now, listen, the Lord's going to let you do some of that. He'll let you pick for lunch what you will eat for lunch. It's not pre-programmed. I mean, if you're a Christian, your, your lunch is not pre-programmed. You can go to a restaurant somewhere here and order whatever you like. 
You, you do get to make choices in, in your life. But the fact is, you say, does, does God have some things in mind that He'd like me to do in my life? Yes, He does. He sure does. And that's why we talk about the will of God. What would God have me to do? It's a question all of us would do well to ask. And the Lord lays that out in chapter 7. Now, one, one more of these. In chapter 8, principle stated in two places, verses 32 and 36 tells us, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 32 and 36 says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So, you say, well, I, I'm, I, I've come to Christ and I'm saved, uh, but, but I'm kind of hanging on to this and hanging on to that. Let me tell you what. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the more we dig into the Bible, the more we'll figure out what ought to go and what ought to stay. And most of us, at the point where we come on board, we got stuff that ought to go, and there's probably things that we get to keep. But the Lord will help us with that. He'll help us to lay it out. And the more we hear the Word of God, the more we dig in. I mean, that's why I hope you'll come back tonight. That's why I hope you'll be here for the missions conference. I hope you'll be here for, I mean, whatever Labor Day picnic, whatever, whatever, whatever is going on. Just come dig in, get a full dose of it, take it. You know, you say, well, man, the guy, there's some guys in the church really needed that today. Yeah, and you're probably one of them, amen. I mean, I, I mean I'm one of them. Let, let's, let's not worry about the other guys so much, but whatever's going on, let me soak it up. I go to church Wednesday nights when I'm at home, uh, most Wednesday nights. Uh, once in a while I have a Sunday at home. I go to Sunday school, sit in the auditorium Bible class. I listen to our pastor preach. I go back on Sunday night. We have ours at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And I go back at 5 o'clock and get another dose. And I come out. I mean, I, I, I hate to go and sit down. I, I put a little old sheet of paper in the back of my Bible and he'll say things that I write down, and you you say, "Well, don't you? Didn't you know that was in the Bible?" Yeah, I knew it was in the Bible, but it did something for me today that that I that I didn't get before. And you say, "What's going on here?" Listen, we, it's the truth. The truth gets hold of us, and it's the truth that sets us free, and it's the truth that enables us along the way. In that eighth chapter, here's one more verse, and this is the bottom line. Chapter 8, verse 47 says, He that is of God, heareth God's words. That is, if you are a convert, if you're in, you'll listen to God. You therefore, he's talking to that crowd, he said, you're not listening because you're not of God. So he tells us some things about that. If we listen to God, good indicator. If we're not listening to God, not a good indicator. Now folks, I'd like to lead somebody to Christ today. And if I do lead them to Christ, I'm going to do with them what I've done with so many, many others through the years. I'm going to start them here. And I'm just going to do my best to help them figure out some of this stuff that I've laid out for you here in these chapters. And yes, there are 21 chapters and there's at least one thing. And in fact, most of the chapters, you'll find two or three things that are just so basic, so good, so solid that if you'll latch on to it, boy, It'll do you good. Now, listen to me carefully. When Jesus died on the cross, guess who He had in mind? Me and you. When He rose from the grave, why did He do that? He did it to finalize, perfect, and I mean absolutely seal the fact that salvation was going to be available from here on. And just like the Holy Spirit is our uh, our paraclete, our advocate here on earth, Jesus 
is our paraclete. He's our advocate in heaven. The Bible says so. And He's there on our behalf. And I'm saying to you this morning, if you don't have salvation settled, you may be a Nicodemus or you may be a woman of Samaria. You say, what, what difference does it make? doesn't make any difference. Because what He offers to one, He offers to all. What He offers to a man, He offers to a woman. What He offers to somebody that's known, He offers to somebody that's unknown. He makes it available. Got a lot of baggage? You don't have a lot of baggage. He offers it all. Just the same. This morning, if you're not saved, you can walk out of here with salvation. You don't have a church home? Central Baptist would be a good place for you just to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up, I'm going to join. And whatever else the Lord may be doing in your life, these altars will be open. If you need somebody to pray with you, there will be people here, spiritual folks who will pray with you. Let's stand up together, we'll pray. <clears throat> there will be some music.